Go ahead on. That's something your pastor I have said. something really special I want to share with this church. But before I share that, I want you to understand who you are. And we were talking last night about who you are, the church, the body of Christ. That you are members of the body of Christ and the church is the body of Christ on this earth. And we were talking about last night, I guess we're going I, I got to get you to understand clearly who the church is before you can understand what the next thing I want to tell you. Because if you, that one of the devil's greatest ways of keeping you or, or deceiving you is to make you uh, just believe partial truth. He likes to get a little piece of truth and just that's all you take is just a little piece of it. Right. He doesn't want you to get the whole thing. Right. That's what a deceiver does. Mm -hmm. He gives you a little piece of the truth. That's what he did with Eve in the Garden of Eden. You know, when he came with her to the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, mm -hmm. and he, he, he takes a little piece of the truth and he tries to make you think that's the whole truth. And then he mixes it in with all kinds of, you know, weird ideas. <laughs> And that's what he's done with the idea of the church in our generation. How many of you know that we are living in the dispensation of the fullness of times? And actually, I was looking, reading that today, and the dispensation means the dispensing of. In other words, you know, we are giving out. This is the time when God, in this fullness of times, and fullness of times means when time has reached its fullness. Hmm. We have come to the place where... You know, the Bible says we are the ones on whom the end of the ages have come. Oh. That actually we are in this space of time, but we are at the end of time. He says it's called the fullness of times. And God says my plan for bringing all things together in this fullness of times was consummated in Christ where he brought one all people, may, uh, 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 Jews and Gentiles, all together in one body, and he called that body, he said he is the head of the body, the church, his fullness fills all in all. Oh, glory to God. Well, if you read those things and you don't understand what the word church means, you really miss what he means when he says that. Because if you think he's only talking about just you individually, you're going to miss the real power and the appointment that you have to be breathing right now. Yes, you are a part of the family in heaven and on earth. But how many of you know right now you are on earth? You know, it's like that preacher said, how many of y'all want to go to heaven? And this guy didn't raise his hand. He said, don't you want to go to heaven? He said, well, yeah, I thought you were taking a load up tonight, though. And I... <laughs> So, you know, we are, there is a, there is a, you know, by the body of Christ, there is one, one family in heaven and on earth. That's what Ephesians says. That is the definition of the church, but it's not, that's only a partial understanding of the church. It's part of the truth. But like we said last night, did you know when Jesus used the word church in Matthew chapter 16, when he asked Peter, who am I? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father who is in heaven revealed this to you. And he said, and you are Peter, you are a stone, a living stone. First Peter, uh, he, he told us we're all living stones. We're all what God's using to build his church. He said, you are a stone, and on this rock I will build my church. He says, I'm the cornerstone, I'm the foundation, and you are built upon this cornerstone, this rock, and we are something is being placed on this earth that is eternal from God, but it is in this time 
to demonstrate the eternal power of God. And it's called the church. And he says, so when Jesus, the first one to ever use that term in the New Testament, he used it in Matthew 16. It had never been used before. It was a secular term in Greek society. It actually meant an assembly of people, a public assembly that had governing authority in a community. And then he uses that term and says, let me tell you to define it under the, the, the conditions of who I am. He says, I will build my church. He said, I will build my public assembly of governing people who will come together. And with my power, they will rule and reign on this earth. And the gates of hell will not prevail against them. The number one way that word church is used in the New Testament. It's used 114 times in the New Testament. But 90 out of 114 times, it means a public assembly of believers who gather together for worship, teaching, and preaching the Word of God. A public assembly. It was the number one way Lenin tried to stop the move of the gospel in Russia in the, ni- in the 1920s and 1900s. And he had, in 1929, one of the laws they passed had to do with specifically with public assembly of believers that he said, I don't want people meeting. You know why? Because that's the church. It's on public display. And, and so uh, last night we talked about the number one meaning. And, and I, I could take you through all of the scriptures, but I don't have time. The 90 scriptures. <laughs> and actually every time it refers to the one where, where it's, it's referring to the one family in heaven and on earth, always the meaning of the location on earth is in there. Do you understand? It's part of the meaning that's in there. It's never without that meaning. It's included in that meaning. Because the things that are in this time that are born of the Spirit are eternal. In other words, you know, God's not in time. Time is in God. And things that are born of God, we are in this space of time as the church of the living God. God's secret, smart weapon for bringing his power and demonstration of the victory of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to this earth. Is the church. That's what Ephesians, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I don't know. I guess you don't understand who you are, but that's okay. You, you... Say amen, sister. Amen, sister. The most important ingredient to stability in your life is to be a part of a local church. The most important ingredient uh, to stability in your life. Hebrews uh, uh, chapter 10. I think it was Hebrews. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to read you this scripture. We're going to look at some things. Hebrews chapter. So how many of you know that the number one definition in the Bible for the church is a public local assembly of believers? Some assembly is required. You might get your bike on Sunday morning or Sunday morning, Christmas morning, and it won't work right unless somebody assembles it. Some assembly required. Well, let me just tell you, it's the same way for the church. You can't ride down the street on your bike with assembly. I'm telling you right now, God's got some things he's going down the street on. And he's looking for a assembly to do it with. Don't you ever believe if anybody ever tells you that God is not doing something with the church, that he's using something else. I'm telling you right now, they're wrong. God will never abandon the church. He is not like an unfaithful spouse. He is forever faithful, even if we are faithless. 
Ephesians 5.25. In fact, let me read this to you so you get the idea of how God feels about the church. Most people think about this just the way it has to do with husbands and wives, which you can, but listen to it. I'm reading it out of the Message Bible. Listen to this. It says, husbands, well, wives, understand and support your husband in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. Wow. See, the real leadership quality of the husband in a marriage doesn't come through domineering. It comes by cherishing. It's how you love your wife that actually causes a leadership to rise up that puts your marriage in the place God intended it to be. Christ does the church. He says, so just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. There's just a, a, a the more, in other words, faith works by love. Yeah. Everything you do for God is not born out of rules and regulations. It's born out of an understanding of what he's done for you. And when you understand what he's done for you, it empowers your faith to really do something yeah. in response to what yeah. he's done for you. That's the way he loves you. He makes the first move. Did you know God makes the first move? Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives. <laughs> exactly as Christ did for the church. He said, you should love your wife like Christ loved the church. See, in other words, let me just tell you this, and you might have a hard time. You know, I don't know if it's hard for you to swallow or not. All I know is that everybody that's a member of the body of Christ has to deal with being corrected. And if you are corrected, the Bible says you actually show that you are a son. And if you don't, and you're not corrected, he said you show you're not a son. So correction is actually a really good thing. Everybody in the family gets corrected, even me. Okay. He says... He says, just like Christ loved the church, a loved mark by giving, not by getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Dressing her in dazzling white silk. Oh, yeah. Radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are a part of his body. Do you get that? He says he loved the church and gave himself for it. I'm trying to get you to understand that the church is the most valuable possession. It is the inheritance. Everything God has and everything that he wants to do, he has put into the hands of the church. Now, this is what I want you to see about the church tonight. It is a local assembly of believers. It is people who come out of their homes, come out of their places, and meet together and join together and say, together we are working for the purpose of God in this community. And we will not let anything. We all got differences. I mean, we eat different food. We have the heat and the, the air on a different you know, thermostat. We like different colors. We like different things. But that's not what we come together about because we all like the same food we all you know we don't like the same food or we you know some of us like to exercise and some of us don't and some of us like it soft and some of us like it loud those are not the things that join you together
People do not join together over anything but purpose. Even, yes, I'm like, you know, and so what do you have to do as a church? So what does a church do? God knew when he called in his secret plan from the beginning of the ages was to make uh, his, his, his church on this earth, the body of Christ. But he knew he was going to have to work with people who the only way that they would ever walk with him was to walk in his love. Yes. And so anyway, let me read this to you real quick. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Listen to this. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching the message bible says don't avoid worshiping together the amplified bible says not neglecting to assemble together as believers as is the habit of some people do you know what do you know if you don't come to church on a regular basis, did you know that you can change that? Do you know how you can change it? Come. And did you know what? That you don't choose your destiny, you choose your habits. And he says the habit of some people, some people just got in the habit of not coming. And you know what he says? He says it is the very thing that will keep them from being provoked, uh, stirred up in love and good works. You say, I just don't have anything fire burning in me. I don't have nothing stirred up in me. I'm just saved and, you know, I'm just uh, sour and saved. That's what I am. You know what I mean? <laughs> and saved and sour. That's what I am. Well, let me tell you something. When you come to church and you begin to assemble together the way God meant for you to assemble together, did you know something inside of you will be stirred up to love and good works? You know, the Living Bible says it like this. Let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do. I like that. You know why he doesn't want you to neglect your church meetings? You know why? Real simple answer. You are greater together than you are alone. We can see it just in, since September 11th. Our president got up. And it didn't matter if you were Democrat or Republican. The thing is, we had to find a place to unite. Because he knew that if we united together under the purpose of freedom for all, he knew that there was one outcome for this place. And that would be victory. Did you know that is not a secular idea? That is a God idea for the church. Did you know that you're not an American first? You are a Christian first. And did you know being a Christian is the most important thing? You can unite about being an American, but honey, it's even more important you and unite about being a Christian. Don't let anything separate you from the body of Christ. You want to know why? Because your victory and your freedom in this life depends on it. 
Oh, I'm, I'm glad I got all those amens. Uh, uh, the church is God's way of fulfilling his plan on this earth. Look over at Ephesians. Uh, these two, uh, the, the, this is how I want you to see it now. This is how he's going to fulfill his plan on this earth. A local assembly of believers, number one, definition for you to understand of the church. But number two, for you to understand how that assembly of believers brings about the, 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 the presence and, and really the, the, the manifestation of the glory of God on this earth is number two, functioning as the body of Christ. It's very important you understand this. The church is the body of Christ. Look over Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the church. This is the time of the victorious church. This is the time of the fullness of your life in the church. And so he says in Ephesians, oh, I love this. He tells us in verse 10 that he's called everything together through this one plan of God in Christ. And then he gets over and he says in verse 15, therefore... Since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. For all the saints, he says, you are hooked up with faith in God and you are walking together with all the saints. It's real important, you know, because it's not really, did you know, it's not about what you are called to do. It's about what you are called together with the body to do. Are y'all with me? You're not, but you will be. I think you are. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of your prayer. Praying. Now, he's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance. Where is it? In the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. The church is Christ's body, and in his body is the fullness of him that fills all in all. There's only one place. Now, let me tell you something. You are not individually the body of Christ. There's not one scripture in the Bible where it says you individually are the body of Christ. The scripture says you are members of the body of Christ. Individually, you are parts and members of the body. And in that body is the fullness of God's plan, the fullness of his inheritance, of his calling, of his power that raised Christ from the dead. You got that resurrection power in you. But when you come together in church, that that power is intensified and it's greater when you are together than it is when you are apart and it increases and you unify with the love of God and something begins to just be demonstrated in you but it begins to be demonstrated in this earth do you get it he said he said he is the head over all things but he is the head of the body in other words if the body's going to do something 
They're going to have to do it because they are functioning as the body, uh, uh, the head, Jesus, the head, as the body of Christ. You know, even if you wanted to go to the Walmart, if you decided with your head you wanted to go, but your feet said no, you ain't got no blue Walmart bag on your kitchen table tomorrow night. Are y'all with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Look, go on over here to Ephesians, uh, to the second chapter. Because he's showing you in this first chapter here. I was writing this down today for, uh, to see how in this first chapter he says, the church has experiencing and bringing to fullness on this earth the complete and manifested victory of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? Do you see that? I'm telling you now, there's only one way that something that really is going to just get the attention of, uh, there's only one way something bigger than you are is going to happen on this earth. And that's if you are a part of the body of Christ. Look over Ephesians chapter two. He says in Ephesians chapter two, verse 19. Oh, I love this one now. He's helping us to see here that together we are the body and we are working together to demonstrate his glory on this earth. Now, therefore, verse 19, Ephesians chapter 2, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. That means people who are uh, uh, aliens. (laughs) Some of y'all look a little like it, but no longer strangers and foreigners foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in other words this is something that people have been talking about for hundreds of thousands of years anybody who had any clue to what God was going to do his plan they were talking about how that he was bringing all people from all over the world into a place where they could experience his glory on this earth the knowledge of the glory of the lord shall fill all the earth christ in you the hope and then he says in whom verse 21 the whole building what building is he talking about the church he's talking about the building living stones the whole building being fitted together now that's a really good word Fitted together. You know, one, one translation um, says it like this. The whole building being fitted together. Where, where is it at? Where's my... I want to read this to you. The whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. I'll read verse 22. In whom you also, he said, I'm not leaving you out, are being built Together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Glory to God. He Listen to this translation. He says, because of your union with Christ, you too are being molded into your place along with others. You say, oh, I know what I can do by myself. No, I don't want you to just see what you can do by yourself. I want to see what God's plan for you to do with the body of Christ, with others that together, he goes on to say, love it. We are a house in which God lives through his spirit. Wow. Wow. The church is the body of the Lord, the body of Jesus Christ, where God inhabits by his spirit 
When you come together and this church, you come together as Christians and believers and meet together in public assembly. He says that is the place where you will see the spirit of God, the presence of God, the healing life of God, the freedom of God, the peace of God, the love of God. It is on display in the church. And each one of us, he says, this is the way it happens. We got to fit together. What he says, whom the whole building fitly framed together. Another one says uh, that every part of the building, uh, uh, you fit in together. In other words, this is the way I like to say it. Whatever you have to do to fit in, do it. You know what? In First Kings, the, the, the uh, Old Testament shadow example of this is First Kings chapter 6, I think it is, where Solomon built the temple for the Lord's presence, and it was a type and shadow of really the place of grace that is ours in Christ Jesus, the New Testament covenant place. They didn't offer sacrifices, Old Testament sacrifices, but they offered the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of their lips, and they repented for sins. That's what they offered there. And in that temple, when Solomon built that temple, in 1 Kings chapter 6, it says that there was not one sound of a hammer or nail on the construction site because every piece had been shaped and molded together and brought together and fit together so perfectly that there was no sound of a hammer or nail. Now that's just a shadow of a type of the New Testament. You say, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that when you walk in Christ Jesus, in that love that he loved the church with, that literally when you come together, that it no matter what it is, and I can tell you everybody's going to have to put up with something. I mean, you can live by yourself and argue. <laughs> but he says, whatever it takes, if you think... If you think since September 11th that a terrorist attack on our nation has brought about a sense of unity. I mean, you know, we got a more of an approval rating for President Bush than we've ever had of any president ever since, I don't know, ever, since Theodore Roosevelt, I think. And, and I was thinking to myself, because we realize that if we don't unite together, that we are under attack and that there is a terrorist that is out to kill, steal, and destroy our families and our future. And I thought that is why God planned for a church that would fit together a building for his presence to dwell so that whenever the enemy would come in, that there would be a strength and stability in the generation that the will and purpose of God will not be done away with. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. They won't. They won't. I'm telling you right now, every time I'd hear him get up and try to rally the nation to, you know, not be divided, but to unite, I thought, oh, that's what I want to get up and say to the church. I want to get up and say, come on, we will not waver. We will not falter. We will not tire. We will not fail. Whatever it takes, victory is assured because we are the church of the living God. the head of the church the body and his presence is the fullness of God's will in your life is realized when you fit together in the building you are called to the church oh you are a part of the church in heaven but right now you're on earth and the church is revealed in the local assembly this is the will of God you are being molded together one translation says into your place along with others together we are a house in which God lives through his spirit 
Another one says, join to him. You also are built into the structure along with others as a place for God to inhabit. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, talking about the church, get over there and look at this. The body is where he, uh, the body, uh, the church is the body of of Christ, where his presence dwells on this earth, where his purpose and plans are, are united together with his people, and then they go out into the world. Glory to God. Oh, he loves the church. He died for the church. He gave his best to the church. His inheritance, God said, I'll put everything I have. His inheritance. He said, I put everything I have in the church. His calling. In other words, God says, you know what I'm supposed to do? He said, I put it in the church. That's what Ephesians said, 117 through 23 says. His calling. He said, the thing that I'm called to do. That's what I put in the church. The things that I have to work with, my inheritance, I put it in the saints. He said that power that raised Christ from the dead, it's in the church. The body, he is the head. That's where it's at. You will save your life if you get into your place in the local church. I'm telling you right now, it will save your marriage. It will save your future. I don't know where you think. I I mean, you know, everybody, anybody who goes to church has to deal with things and people that are, you know, hard to get along with. That's why you look through the, the epistles, which are a revelation of the church, and you see so many times when he says, walk in love with one another. Uh, make allowances for each other's faults. Uh, do your best to just not to quarrel. Do everything you can to live at peace with one another. It's so important. He said, because we don't just got a a Saddam Hussein or whatever his name is against us. He said, there is an enemy that would like to destroy. He's come against you, but you be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You stand in him. And if you stand in him, you will not fall with your enemy. Glory to God. Oh, let me read this to you. He says, so in Ephesians 3.10, what time time is it? Oh, it's somebody said, hey, this this ain't the... Somebody said, oh, this is not the last generation. They've been saying this is the last generation for years. This is not the last generation. I always tell people this. It may not be the last generation, but I can tell you one thing for sure. It's your last generation. I don't know if it's the last generation, but I know it's your last generation. So I think I will live just like it's the last generation. Because I ain't got another one. How about you? Oh, glory to God. He says in Ephesians chapter 3, talking about this church who has been given the plan of God to demonstrate the glory of God on the earth. He says to the intent that now, this is verse 10, excuse me, I don't know if I told you, Ephesians 3.10. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers, he's talking about the unveiling of this plan in verse 9. He says the fellowship of the mystery. In other words, how that all people are included. Uh, There isn't any, any, God is not trying to keep people out of the church. He has said anybody, whosoever will, anybody can be included. No special groups, no exclusion clauses in the church. Everyone who believes Jesus is Lord has the right to be a member and is actually supposed to be. That's the place you are born to live. Let me just tell you this. Any gift, any talent, any ability you have, I'm not saying that there's not something else that you're going to do with your life besides go to church. That's not what I'm saying. 
That's not what I mean. But I'm saying that no matter what else you do with your life, if you don't have an understanding of your purpose for living that comes through the understanding of who you are as a Christian and a member of the body of Christ, the church, I don't care what else you do. I don't care if you write the song the world sings. I don't care what else you do. It will not give you a sense of fulfillment in your life because you were not just born to write songs. You were born to live with the purpose of God. He made you. You are the sheep of his pasture. You did not make yourself. I always tell people, you know, they get so enamored with astrology and they, oh man, the stars and look at what they're in line and this is what it said. And look how I always tell people, you think that the story the stars tell is impressive? You get impressed with the way the stars are hung in the sky? I said, you ought to see the one who put them there. You ought to talk to the one who hung them in place. Yeah, it gets real impressive when you look at them. That's because of the one who put them there. Oh, you, know, you can worship the stars or you can worship the one who made them. I believe I'll worship the one who made them. Hug a tree or the one who made the tree. Okay. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. This is verse 9 of Ephesians 3. Who created all things in Christ Jesus. In other words, from the beginning of the world, hid in God was this space of time where the church of the living God would be resident on the earth. And he knew that he had this plan the whole time. The whole time it's been hid in God. But he said to the intent that now. Glory to God. He said, it's for this purpose that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal timeless purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He says in Weymouth's translation, it was concealed in order that the church might now be used to display it. Glory to God. He said, I didn't hide it so you'd never see it. I hid it so that it would come out at the right time. And now he said, it's not, it's not hiding no more. In Jerusalem Bible, he said, so that the sovereignties, you know, those that reign, they think they're sovereign rule and reign and powers should learn now through the church how comprehensive God's wisdom really is. He said, he said, I want you to show, I want you to show the world that the devil has been defeated, that, that healing is greater than sickness, that love is greater than hate, that freedom is greater than bondage. He said, I want you to show them. How are you going to show them that? The way you live with one another will display that more than any sermon anybody will ever preach. So he says, the body of Christ is to express the fullness of Christ on this earth. He's, look, over, get, get on over to the, in Ephesians chapter 3, get on over here. You know, you know this verse, uh, uh, these verses. You've probably read this prayer starting at verse 15 when he says, the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Uh, this is, he's referring to the church here. He said, there's a family in heaven and there's a family on earth. And he said, I'm talking and I'm praying right now concerning this family in heaven and on earth. How many of you know the family on earth is the church, the body of Christ? How many of you know that? Yeah. And he says that he would grant you family on earth 
according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. You got to open that door by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. That's your residence. That's where you live. Where do you live? I live in love. Where do you live? I live in love. Where do you live? I live in love. What do you have to do to live in love? Sometimes I got to bite my tongue. Sometimes I got to smile when I feel like frowning. But I've decided I would like to live in love. Because that's the way we're going to get to the rest of this. That you may be able to comprehend with all saints. You ain't getting this by yourself, Joe. Proverbs 18.1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all wise judgment. In other words, it makes you mad when somebody says you ought to join together with other believers. You say, I'd just rather listen to myself preach. Well, see, that's the problem. You're the only one who's thinking there. And you know what? Coming to church doesn't just involve what people say. It involves what people do. Proverbs 8. I love that scripture. I'm going to read the rest of it. Proverbs 18.1. I really, it's good. And I've got the new King James, so it makes it a little clearer. In the original King James, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit uh, hard to understand. The man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Then he goes on to say, a fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. You say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear what you got to say, preacher. I just want to hear what I got to say. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 1, you are? He says, you're a fool. He says, you're a fool. In fact, it says, a wise man receives correction. A man of understanding, he says, a wise man will hear and increase in learning. Oh, glory to God. Proverbs 27, verse 8 says, like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. Where is your place, Christian? The church. Where are you? Where are you? You're a part of the body. A part of the body. I'm telling you right now, if you are ever going to go where God's called you to go, you not only got to want to do it with your head or with your eyes, you got to want to do it with your feet and with your hands. And I got to tell you something. 1 Corinthians 12 says the body is not one member, but many. Let me read this to you. Oh, I'll read. The, where, where are we? Okay, let me read this to you. You're going to like this. No, I got to finish Ephesians 3. Um, I'm going to finish this and I'm going to read this to you and then we'll, we'll maybe wind it up. Wind it up. Okay. That he would grant you to be strengthened with might. That you may comprehend with all saints the breadth, the length, the depth, the height. And to know the love of Christ. I'm telling you, you will never really understand the love of Christ until you understand it with your fellow Christians. <laughs> which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Where did he say that fullness was in Ephesians 1.23? The fullness of him that fills all in all. He is the head of the body, the church, which is filled with the fullness of who he is. He said, I'm wanting to get the fullness of God's plan in your life. See, in other words, the only way your part as a member gets full is if you are joined together with the body. 
I'm trying, he said, I'm trying to fill your life up with the will of God. I'm trying to get not just a little bit of dabble, do you, of the will of God. I'm trying to get every single place that the devil's ever touched or tried to close the door on you. I'm trying to get it opened up with the will of God. And he said, if you'll just do and get into the place that I've called you to, he said, my fullness will come into your life. And not only will you say, I don't have a daddy who ever loved me. Well, if you'll get in church, I'm telling you, there'll be a spiritual parent that will nurture you and love you and lead you and guide you the way you never had in the natural. And you say, well, I never had kids. You know, I'm just, I just don't have any kids. Well, if you'll hook up with the church, he'll give you your barren womb. will sing and he'll give you the children. He said, you may be a motherless person or fatherless, whatever. But he said, I'll fill you up with children born of the spirit of God. I'm telling you, you won't have any barren places in your life. I don't care what you're lacking in the natural. You join up with the supernatural family of God and things get put into you that you don't have any other way. That's why it says, that's why the next part says this, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God now unto him, right now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly sounds like fullness to me doesn't it above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us unto him be glory where in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end one translation says to the last generation of eternity you say oh this is not a good time for the church this is not a good year oh this is not a good generation God believes this is a time for the church to be filled with an exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think plan he believes that and I'm telling you right now he's just looking for a body of believers who believe the same same thing. Glory to God. So that's why he says in the verse one of chapter four. So he says, I beseech you to walk, to, to walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. He says with all lowliness, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another in love. One translation says, make allowances for each other's faults, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Another one translation says, spare no effort to make fast the bonds of peace. Be careful to maintain your spiritual unity. Be intent upon preserving the bond of peace. It's like President Bush getting up and saying, we must join together because if we do, victory is certain. You are the church, the body of Christ. Let me look over uh, to this. um, Can I read this one more? Yeah, I got to read this one more. Is that okay with you? Join together. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.10, that's not, you don't have to turn there, but he says, uh, don't split up, but come, become completely joined together, having the same purpose and the same judgment. Don't split up. Don't look for a reason to split up. If you're looking for one, you'll have one. But if you choose to not see it, you will join together with unity. Join together with the unity. And then I want to read uh, Growing Up. Oh, yes. Look over at Ephesians chapter 4. This one... <laughs> I'm sorry. Dispensing the glory of God, the abundant above all you can ask or think plan. That's part of the body of Christ's job. But look at here in chapter four. And this is what I say about chapter four here. Chapter four, verse, where are we here? Ah, okay. Chapter four, verse 10. 
That will start there. No, verse 12. Let's do there because it'll get me. I got one more verse to read. He says, he, the reason that Jesus went down, the reason he descended, the reason he came up was so there could be things given to the church to cause, verse 12, for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That word edified just means building up. He said, whatever you have to do to build up the church, he said, that's what your gift, that's what your ability is given to you for. It is not to separate you from the church. It is not to tear down the church. It is to build up the church. Building up the church, Jesus, I'm telling you, the, the most Christ-like function you'll ever do, uh, the most Christ-like thing you'll ever do with any gift or ability you have is to build up the church. Whatever you have, whatever ability you have, if all you can do is, you know, put plastic forks on a table. <laughs> if it helps to build up the purpose of the church, that's the most Christ-like thing you can do. He said, till we all come to the unity of faith. We all, you know, he wasn't Southern. He was saying, all of us, we all come to the unity of the faith. He said, this is something everybody can get in on. And the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of, there's that word again, fullness of Christ. He said, I'm not satisfied with something just being done 50%. Oh, yeah, okay, well, you know, Lois, I'm happy. I'm just going to heaven when I die. No, no, that's not fullness. That's just waiting to die. And you're still breathing. And you're a member of the body of the resurrected Christ. And God has put his inheritance in you. His calling in you. He said, whatever I'm supposed to do, I'll let them do it. Whatever I'm supposed to have, I give it to them. Whatever power that was working in Christ, I put it in them. You're not just going to heaven. You're blowing this earth wide open with heaven's power. Woo! I'm going to do Oh, he says, uh, verse over, verse 15, get, skip to verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the head, the whole body, the church, fitly joined together. There's that word fitly again. He said, I mean, just, you know, make sure everybody, you know, it's like putting a jigsaw puzzle in. Oh, this piece doesn't fit. Well, make it fit. Cut off that square peg. So it'll go in that round hole. <laughs> joint compacted by that. Hey, look at this. Which every joint supplies according to the effectual working of the measure of every part. That means you got a part. Makes increase of the body to the edifying of itself in love. Now this is what he's saying. He says. Under his direction, the whole body is perfectly united by every joint that furnishes its supply and by the proper functioning of each particular part, there is brought about the growing of the body for it's building itself up in love. In other words, he says, you ain't going to get to Walmart in case you're, unless you talk your feet into going with your legs. Maybe I should do something here. Who should I? Where's Blake? Where's he at? There he is. You think, okay, I, I want to know, Blake, do, will you do whatever I say to do and you don't care what you look like? It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I got to have a yes, ma'am. I'm not going to make you look too funny, but I, but I want you to, I want to use you to demonstrate something. Who, who would be willing to do that? Who'd be willing to do that? Who's a good volunteer? Oh, everybody, I got everybody scared in this place. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I need a guy. 
Come on, Blake. Yes, come here. I'm, I'm volunteering you. Get up here, Blake. Get up here, Blake. We're going to... Oh, that's good, isn't it? Aren't you glad I didn't read all that? Oh, everybody's going, glory to God, she lost her notes. Okay. Stand right down there before me, Blake. Before I read this, I want you to see this. Um, I'm going to read. This is 1 Corinthians 12. and you, you can put this in your notes. I don't have time to read it all right now. Just stand there. They don't want to see what you have on tonight. Um, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, the way God designed our bodies, this is about the 26th or 25th verse somewhere. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as the church. Every part is dependent on every other part. The parts we mention, the parts we don't. The parts we see, the parts we don't see. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. Wow. I like that. You know what wow. that tells me? Yes. That there are some things in your life that if you don't get in right relationship with the body of Christ, that that hurt is just not going to heal like it should. Because sometimes the hurt that comes to your life, you need the help of the body to help it heal. And when the body helps you heal, it's kind of like, you know, you can heal whole, not just heal enough to be able to go on living, but heal whole. Because every part has got something to give to you that's going to cause you to come into the fullness of God's plan. And so he says, uh, you are Christ's body. That's who you are. And so uh, um, he says, I want you to think about how this, keep, this, this body is not one single part, but it's all the parts functioning together. Now, that's why, now loosen up, brother, all right? He's loose. Okay. Stand up here. This is, he's going to be the body of Christ. Now, just, just stand straight ahead and look at them. And uh, he's going to represent the body of Christ here in uh, Pine Top, Lakeside, Arizona. Here he is. Looks pretty good, doesn't he? Not too bad. It'll work anyway. Oh, uh, well, now we're just going to say, now the body of Christ gets the, ass gets the assignment to demonstrate the victory and the liberty of Christ and the freedom that came through the resurrection of Jesus Christ on this earth. And they get assignments to be able to demonstrate that. And each church gets a different assignment, but it gets the same demonstration of victory. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And so this particular church has an assignment. And just so you can understand it for illustration, this assignment is uh, go pick up that mic stand and bring it back over here. Church. Can you go pick up that mic stand and bring it back over here? That doesn't look too funny. You can figure that out. No problem at all. He's got both hands, both feet, his eyes, and, you know, I bet his appendix is working. And, you know, you say, <laughs> all the parts you can see and the parts you don't see are making it possible for him to do that. But so what if maybe his, uh, his uh, this hand right here <laughs> decides, you know what? I just don't really like the way the rest of the body's treating me. In fact, I tell you what, I think I'll just have my church at home. I just think I can do better just talking to myself. I mean, I may be only a hand, but that's all I need is a hand. And besides that, I just don't really like working with that leg and that arm. And, you know, I'm just not satisfied with the way they're doing things down there. So I believe I'll just, I think I'll just go skiing on Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. So this hand is paralyzed. It's not working. Just keep it straight. That's all right. You don't have to do anything funky real. You know, all right. So this hand is paralyzed. It's not working. But the body of Christ has still got an assignment. And the assignment is 
Go pick up that mic stand. But don't use this hand. This hand is paralyzed. Just don't use it. So go pick up that mic stand. It's not too difficult. In fact, he can still do it. But, you know, there's something about deciding to separate yourself from the body of Christ that becomes contagious. A little leaven leavens a whole lump. And what if this arm starts talking to this leg? And he starts saying, you know, I didn't go to church Sunday. And, you know, actually, I don't really miss it. And maybe, you know what? I just think, you know, they, they said some things down there about you that I just don't think. You know, did you hear what old Sister Susie said about Sister Mary? And did you see what they did? And did you, you know, you just start, you know, just trying to separate and divide. And so this leg says, you know what, right arm? I think I'll just hang out with you. And so now his left leg is not working either. And so here you go. Yeah, just paralyzed. So just kind of do it like this. There you go. You can't use that leg. Now you can't use that leg and you can't use this arm, but you still got the same assignment. Go pick up that mic stand. Oh, starting to look a little funny, isn't he? But he can still do it, but you're thinking, you know, this church, it just kind of looks a little, I mean, you know, I don't know about this church. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah, okay, you're doing all right. Okay. Now can you let me have it? You got to let me have it. But what if... This leg starts talking to this leg. And this right left leg says to this right leg, hey, come on and hang out with us. You know, we ain't going to church no more. You don't have to be in church. You're a Christian. You're going to heaven. You don't have to go to church. So guess what happens? Now the right leg's not working. Now, so what you going to do? You just kind of fall on the ground. Don't hurt yourself. There you go. There you go. So now, oh, so now look at what he's doing. He's having to get kind of creative, isn't he? You're doing great, Blake. I'm telling you, that's great. You say, what's the matter with this church? You know, sometimes people will say something like, you know, what's the matter with that pastor down there? Well, there's not really anything the matter with the pastor. There's something the matter with the body. And you say, what are you trying? Are you trying to put me under condemnation? No, no, no. I'm trying to help you to see that you are a part of the body of Christ and that you are needed and that as you function in the body, not only will something be done for this church, something will be done for you. Are y'all with me? Thank you, Blake. I won't make you do anything else. I do have another one, but yeah, I won't do it. Oh, you ought to make it. Okay, now this all okay, it's just totally contagious. You know, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now his whole body's gonna, but he's still got an assignment. Oh. So what are we gonna do? Oh. Hey Black, roll. You say roll. roll, you can roll. You say, oh, it's taken him so long to do what you would think would be so simple to do. Oh my gosh, I gotta help him out here a little bit. What's he gonna do? He is so yeah. Oh, thank you, Blake. That's good. You can get up. Give him a hand, everybody. That was great. I'm telling you, I think you were the best body of Christ I ever had. What am I getting you trying to get you to see? That you are a part 
of the body of Christ. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 12. Can I, can I read you one other thing? Should I? Yeah, let me read you one other thing. I won't read you 1 Corinthians 12. You can read that by yourself in your own personal prayer and pra- praise time. But um, look over at Revelation. I got, you, got to get you to see this one other verse. Revelation chapter 2. Not only is the church the body of Christ, not only is the church a public assembly of believers who come together for worship, praise, and teaching, but the, the church is the light of the world. It is a light that shines through the darkness of this world. In Revelation chapter 2, I want you to see this. In Revelation chapter 2, when he's talking to churches, and he's actually writing... Uh, to a church of Ephesus, the angel of the church of Ephesus. And he says in, ch- in chapter 5, he says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say one? No, two, five. Did, yeah, it is two, five. I got to make sure. I want to get this one piece of paper. Uh, uh, Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent, do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, if you read this and you're trying to figure out what does he mean by lampstand, look over at the 20th verse of the first chapter at the last part of the verse, the B part, and he says, the seven lampstands which you see are the seven what? Churches. So when he's talking about a lampstand here, what's he talking about? A church. Everybody say the church church. is a lampstand. And he says here about this lampstand in verse 5, he says, uh, you are going to, he said, I will have to remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The word place is the Greek word topos. And it's where we get the same word, what we describe what uh, happened when Judas in Acts chapter 1, you know, when they were, I think it's Acts chapter 1, when they were, yeah, when they were uh, 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 coming together and they said, you know, we need to find someone because of Judas, how he went out and and, uh, betrayed the master. And because of that, he lost his place in this ministry. We need to find someone to take his place in this ministry. It's the same word there, and it's also used in Hebrews 11 when it talks about how that because Esau sold his birthright, and because of that, he lost his place. When he looked for a place to repent, there was no place found. And that word place there is the same word that's used here, and it's the word that means a ministry or an opportunity that is created by a specific office. So he's saying to the church, the lampstand, that you are about to lose your opportunity unless you repent. And so I'm thinking... What's he trying to help us to see that a church can lose its opportunity? We know the church is the body of Christ. Members of the body are called the church. And we join together as one to literally display the, wor- the, the glory of God on this earth. But look over in Matthew chapter 5 where he talks again about a lampstand. And I think you'll see this. How you can lose your place or lose the opportunity for ministry that you have been called to. Whatever you have been called to in your life whatever purpose whatever God has called you the reason you're breathing for on this earth if you he said there is a way that you can miss that and he says here I want you to uh, I want you to change the way you're thinking so that the church will not miss its opportunity well look over in Matthew chapter 5 and he says in verse 14 
This is Jesus talking. And he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. He, so in other words, he's saying the light that I've put in you is not a light to hide. It is a light to shine for all the world to see. And he says in verse 15, nor do they light a lamp. Now, if you have the original King James, I think it says candle. But it's the same word. Candle and lamp are the same word. In, in Proverbs 20, 27, it says the spirit of man is the candle or the lamp of the Lord. It's the same word. It's just whether you want to call it a candle or a lamp, you know, whichever one. But he says, uh, do they light a lamp and put it under a basket? But on a, what is that next word? Candlestick. candlestick. Do you know that's the same word that's used for Revelation 2.5 for uh, lampstand? It's the same word. In fact, my new King James says they do not put it on a, uh, uh, they do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand. It's the same word. In other words, what he's trying to get you to understand here, that as a believer and as a Christian, he says in Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of man is the lamp or the candle of the Lord. And I believe it is Psalms 18 around in there somewhere, 38. He says, you, O Lord, will light my candle. In other words, when you get born again, your spirit, it gets lit with the light of God and he says the reason I light your spirit is not so you put it under a basket you know how you put it under a basket you you separate yourself from the body because when you separate yourself from the body you still have you know a little light of yours I'm not saying you're not saved, but I'm saying if you want your light to shine for all the world to see, he says, I have given you a light, not to put it under a basket, but to set it on a lampstand. The reason you are the Christian, that's why I tell people the church does not exist for the Christian. The Christian exists for the church. You are made for the church. He lit your light to put it on a lampstand. He lit your light so that you are a member of the body of Christ. So that the church could display to this world a light that shines through the darkness. And he says, it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God. I'm here to tell you right now that you don't just have a little light for your four and no more. You have a light that is joined together with the body of Christ for the fullness of God, for the same victory that was accomplished in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to be displayed in Lakeside, in Pine Top, and wherever you live. I'm telling you right now, God is dwelling in the midst of his people and the light of heaven is shining from his church. Glory to God. I can see it. I can see it. I can see a beacon that shines over all of the trouble and all of the storms of life. And people don't know where to go. And they don't know what to do. And they're afraid of the terror that comes. It may come from somebody overseas. But I'm telling you, it's coming from the pit of hell. But the church, the body of Christ joins together. United we stand. Divided we fall. But we are united with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ and with the purpose of heaven and we come together and as we do a light that it does not sit under a basket it's put up on a hill on a lampstand and all the world can see that there is a purpose.
purpose and there is a victory and there is a way of escape from every trap the enemy brings. Are y'all with me? Everybody say, Lord, I am a part of the body of Christ. Of the body of Christ. Show me how to fit in so that your light can shine for all the world to see. I love you, Lord. And I love your church. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Glory, glory, glory. Oh, glory to God. Don't miss tomorrow morning. I'm telling you, we're going to blow the top off this place as we stand together in the grace of God. The church, the victorious, redeemed by the blood of the Church of the Living God. We hope you've enjoyed this message by Lois Toucher and Cindy Duvall of Shekinah Glory Ministries. For more information about Shekinah Glory, log on to our website at www.shekinahglory.com. There you'll find our entire catalog of teaching materials, music CDs and books, all available for online purchase. The website also offers our daily devotional, updates from the road, and our ministry itinerary so you can pray for us as we travel throughout the United States and overseas. You can also join our mailing list in order to receive regular newsletter updates of ongoing ministry projects. Thank you and God bless you for your support of Shekinah Glory Ministries. We couldn't do it without you. Truly, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill all the earth. This is Ray Toucher, speaking for Shekinah Glory Ministries. Thank you and God bless you.